From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in all-new Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy. I, too, make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are meetings and frustration. No, wait, that's backwards. It's frustration, then meetings. Anyway, if everyone's ready, let's start. Oops. <laughs> I forgot to switch that. We're making mistakes already. The endless loop of meetings and frustration. You know, is it actually important that we say the topics in the right order when we, in the intro? Uh, We've always done it, but does it matter? Nicegames.club slash feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us, listener. Was that was that an error <laughs> or did I overcorrect? <laughs> it was an error. I didn't even, I forgot to, because we switched the order out. Mm-hmm. Or I switched the order out and then I didn't switch the order fully. It's fine. I think it worked out well because if you had just read it straight through, there would have been tons of intro music time left. That's true. Yeah. That's like a, that's a DJ trick I learned in, in when I was doing college radio is like you, um, all the music in the library had a little card on the, on the inside of the CD. And it said like, which of the, the, um, the songs that are, are, are favorited by the person who reviewed that disc when it came into the library. Hmm. So when you're, you know, you can just pick a random disc off the shelf and you kind of know what the good singles are. Um, you've never heard of it because someone has done that work for you. But then also it tells you like um, how long the intro is. So you know how long you have to talk before that beat hits or the first lyric comes in. Oh, yeah. And and sometimes you're you're going so fast, you grab a random thing, like I'm put that song, you start playing it, then you look at how long it's the intro is. Oh. Oops. And then you've got like, okay, I've got 15 seconds to fill. <laughs> and then you learn, you just learn to fill it ex- mm-hmm. to exactly. Um, that's like, that was, that's the one skill that like serves me now <laughs> like all the other skills i learned as a college radio dj have not helped me in any other part of my life mark is surrounded by audio equipment he's like no it's that one skill that's <laughs> it, the one it kind skill. of is the rest of this stuff you can learn elsewhere but <laughs> <laughs> we're a little giddy today because we are recording for the very first time in the brand new clubhouse yeah do, 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 do. <laughs> it's nice it's very nice. <laughs> I've been doing nothing but thinking about opening up this office space, which we've talked about in a previous episode, um, for my company Noble Robot. And here we are. And there's a we've we've carved out, we've built new walls and put in a ceiling for a new a recording space in the office. Um, it's been on my mind for the last couple of months, and I've been thinking about almost nothing but that. So I just want to hear the two of you talk about it for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were we were um, making the notes um script for this episode like a little bit before we started recording today and ellen and me noticed right away how much of an office this felt like like it felt like a workspace you can actually get work done yeah (laughs) it felt really nice yeah well i mean kind of leading up to today you know mark and dale have been in here like every day over the last week just putting in long long hours putting things together and getting deliveries and putting things together and putting things together and carrying things up the stairs and, and carrying things up the stairs and putting things together. <laughs> a lot, a lot of work. Um, well, Ellen's is mentioning carrying things up the stairs because Ellen, you carried a lot of stuff up the stairs. I helped carry things up the stairs. Yes. Yeah, it was great. I did. I did carry some heavy desktops, desktops, even if they're from Ikea are heavy <laughs> and they're, I didn't think I would not have categorized that as a lot of stairs before carrying desktops right. up the stairs. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you guys have been here like all week just putting in all this time. And we've, you know, Stephen, you and I have been here a little bit here and there yeah, helping to put things together. We were part of like a, a desk assembly line on yeah. Friday, which was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but it's, and it's not all put together. Like you, there's a ton that is put together. It definitely looks more put together than that. I feel like 
we're on, we're on step five of six. Yeah, it, it feels like <laughs> you can see what it looks like now. Like you got a pretty solid idea. Yeah. But it was still about 60% assembled. So there's still stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, but I think going for, it's going to be easier going forward. I think we did the hard stuff. Yeah, first. yeah. The hard stuff is done. Um, and it's definitely closer. I guess the reason I was kind of framing it that way is because it's put together enough that you can sit down on at a desk. And even if the desk is still, the desktop is still wrapped in cardboard, you put your laptop down and you can start working. And it, it just immediately puts you into that productive headspace. Yeah. Um, which happened to both Steven and to me. And then all of a sudden I realized like when I was, when I was done doing the thing, I'm like, oh, that just happened. It happened so <laughs> naturally. It felt so good uh, and just so easy to do. And I hadn't, I mean, it, the lighting is perfect. Like the, the, um, like the color palette is perfect for that. And it just has a really nice positive energy, but also just very focusing. And I didn't realize how much I didn't have that at my home office mm-hmm. until I came in and started working here. So yeah. that was surprising. I thought I had a pretty good setup at home. Um, the dogs are distracting, of course, but, uh, apparently I didn't. So I have to think about that a little bit. Um, or not because I have a solution. Yeah. It's come here. Mm -hmm. And of course, meanwhile, I've been uh, more than once like hinting at you that I want you to bring your dogs here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want office dogs, but that's kind of part of your problem. So I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it won't happen all the time. Right. Um, because they can be distracting and also because. Steven's not a huge that's fan true of dogs. yeah it's not just dogs it's most animals yeah it's, not, it's, I, it's no offense to you <laughs> no that's I, I don't my dogs don't take it personally okay, um yeah they don't they don't mark you might be sad to hear this they don't listen to the podcast my dogs don't listen to the podcast <laughs> they're just not into game development oh, like at all <laughs> yeah um but we'll do it once in a while we'll bring in you know pixel or dante never both um <laughs> Yeah, I just bought all this new like furniture, so like maybe I shouldn't be so excited to bring <laughs> well, all your animals in. We'll but. just train them not to get up on. The, I mean, they usually get up on the furniture at home mm-hmm. um, because I like to cuddle with the dogs, yeah. and I'm on the furniture. So, um, <laughs> but we'll just train them not to get up on this furniture. Mm-hmm. No problem. And then if I get them like a nice cushy dog bed, yeah, they should be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talked about this in the nice thinking episode where we were sort of fantasizing about the stuff we're going to do at the office, but there's just so much ahead of us like so many cool things we can do and yeah. but a lot of it's just going to be coming in and working like yep. that's going to be you know that's what now is about is setting it up so that we can just come in and work mm-hmm. but um but I, I sort of can't help but think about all the other things we can do with the space and with the time we're spending here and all of that so it's it's pretty exciting you guys i just i'm gonna i'm gonna brag on mark's behalf Ooh. for a second there's a fridge in here yeah the fridge is hooked up and it is cold there is pop in there yeah and and Mark, maybe with Dale's help, I don't know, you didn't tell that part of the story, but flip the door around. <laughs> yeah. Like the hinge was on the wrong side and they flipped. The, I wasn't even aware that was a thing you could do. Ellen sounds really impressed. And some people at home are like, don't all fridges do that? It's true. All fridges do that. But um, it's hard. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah, they don't like, make it easy. I, I got it thinking like, oh, because I, I think all I think all fridges come with the door opening to the right, like a standard, because I think most kitchens are laid out that way. Mm. And um, like with the opening, the handles on the left and then you open it and it swings to the right. Yes. And um, and so I was sort of suspecting I would have to flip it because the way we have the fridge here. But I was I was crossing my fingers that it would just come left handed, you know, Um, but it didn't. And it's like, okay, whatever. It's it'll take a little while to remove the doors and do the thing. It's fine. It's like a 30 step process. It has like 18 different bolts and a bunch of you need a putty knife. To, to like, oh, to like re- take a bumper from a, it's, 
it's so it feels very stone age the way yeah. these things are built like mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm very angry at whirlpool for <laughs> this dumb refrigerator <laughs> but i mean it's a really nice fridge it's perfect size it's everything we need but man i spent way too much time like yesterday i built eight desks and and swapped one door i spent equal time on both tasks oh my god like, <laughs> that's, that's how that's how frustrating it yeah, was that's ridiculous does ikea make fridges they do in fact well mark what the heck ah, they're a little more expensive than i wanted to okay <laughs> they're probably just as annoying to deal with too that's probably true it, there's just something as i was taking this thing apart and just seeing all of the like anyone who's like worked with a fridge or replaced something or repaired it like well if they haven't you know a fridge just looks like a m- piece of modern uh a technology but it's really not. It's like the most old-fashioned thing. And they still build them in this like old-fashioned way. Nothing is at a perfect right angle. Everything is like bent and weird. And it's so bizarre. I don't know. That struck me because everything else, like I've taken apart a microwave. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, that's another story. But like, <laughs> you know, those look like modern, you know, the, those screws are in the right place. Like it's just <laughs> it's designed with some elegance. Refrigerator is just not. It's weird. I wonder if um, smart refrigerators are more uh, advanced in that way. I bet not. Yeah, I think they're just regular refrigerator with an Android tablet on the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah. the, you know, because it's all out of out of sight. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm talking way too much about this because it took up a lot of my thoughts yesterday. <laughs> it seems like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it was tough, but it's worth it because now the fridge opens correctly and it's cold inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can put snacks in there. Yeah. We can put leftovers in there. Leftovers from all the restaurants nearby. There's a lot of restaurants. Yeah, nearby. this neighborhood is great. That's the that's the thing that's really striking. Is mm-hmm. just this is going to be a perfect perfect place to work, independent of how cool the office itself is. Yeah. Cool people, cool office, cool neighborhood. Good job. Yeah. Good job, Steve. Oh, I didn't do anything. Yeah, you did. You put together some desks. I sort of. And you, you know, you know. I mean, like we all. At least you and I were like, yes, we're going to do this, Mark. Yeah. We're in. Yeah. So we helped in that. That's true. Yeah. I'll say that has been a big motivator because like we talked about before, like I'm, I need to rent out desks in order to help pay for the rent. Mm-hmm. And having the two of you on board so early before everything was settled, like really, really helped like my state of mind to know that this is a, th- a project I can take on. Yeah. Um, so I really, really appreciate it. So thank you both for that. Yeah. All right. Well, on to something completely different from the joyousness we're experiencing here in the new space. <laughs> the whole next topic is about Whirlpool. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> That's an excellent transition. Uh, um, yeah. So we've been talking about like the joy of being in this space. I have to say that at least for me this morning, the process of getting here was not joyous. It was <laughs> frustrating. Um, I woke up late because I set my alarm but didn't realize that it was only set for Saturday and not for Sunday too. You know, usually you have like a weekday alarm, you have a weekend alarm. That's how I usually set it up. But apparently last weekend, I changed my weekend alarm to only be for Saturday because of Eric's race. And I didn't fix it. So it only was set for Saturday and it wasn't set for today. So I woke up at like Mm -hmm. (laughs) 9.15. We were going to get here by 10 a.m. Yeah. I'm like, ah! Well, real quick, you you mentioned it. You got to brag on your husband's uh, achievement in that that thing because yeah. that's very impressive um yeah my husband uh husband eric ran a um 70.3 mile triathlon so um it's a half iron man distance although iron man is a branded 
term. So it's technically wasn't part of like the Iron Man franchise. So it mm-hmm. can't be called a half Iron Man, but it was the same distance as a half Iron Man. It's so it's a half metal dude. It's <laughs> half, half metal, metal dude. dude. <laughs> half metal dude. Yeah. Man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was a mile long swim and like a 56 mile bike and a 13.1 mile run, a half marathon at the end. Um, so he did it. He's been training for it for months and he went out and it was a beautiful day for a race and um he had a really good time and he he did the whole thing he swam the thing he biked the thing he ran the thing and we had a little cheering squad out there we put together like a playlist for his run um which had a lot of really like varied things in there um everything from like perturbator to you know mumford and sons and the rocky theme anyway (laughs) um and yeah he finished it i think he finished it in five hours five hours and 43 minutes um which is really good for his first time so he's excited to i'm i'm not gonna say that i was gonna say he's excited for the next one i'm not sure if he's there yet (laughs) give him a few weeks yeah he's been recovering this week but uh he's He's starting to talk like he's excited for the next one. <laughs> with that. The, the, the frustration memories are fading. You're right. The frustration. All that's left is the joy of having <laughs> exactly, done it. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's why my alarm was set all weird. And it came back to bite me in the face this morning um, when I needed to get up around 8 and got up around 9.15. So then I got, in the, you know, I got ready and I got in the car and I was going to pick Stephen up on the way and then Google Maps gave me the wrong directions to Stephen's place because I thought I was biking and not driving. <laughs> and I thought I was biking because not driving because I was biking here on Friday. Anyway. Yeah. So we all know what frustration is like in real life. Mm-hmm. But what I was hoping to do today uh, is not just complain, but talk about it more from like a philosophical perspective um, as like an emotional component of game design. Right. Ooh, yeah. So we talk about, you know, wanting to target certain emotions in the game design process mm-hmm. um and also to talk to kind of shape an emotional journey uh throughout the game because if you just have it's just a flat emotional state that's not that's not fun that's not engaging if you just have you can't you're just not going to get anywhere if you can't have an emotional like plateau yeah. um you need to have movement from one emotional state to the next mm-hmm. uh and i wanted to talk about frustration and kind of its place in that in that landscape when you're trying to, you know, paint or, or cultivate an experience using a game. So I wanted to start just by kind of talking about frustration in life, um, because that's really where we kind of build our core experience of frustration before we bring the, that emotion to the game space. Um, and yeah, so that, that is a, that is a slight, like day in the life slice of what frustration in my life looks like. <laughs> uh, how about you guys? Oh, well, actually, we already talked about Mark's frustration. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Steven. Uh, how have I experienced frustration? I never experienced frustration. I'm False. Always yeah, <laughs> no, incorrect. I know, I know. <laughs> Can't get them past y'all. Um, I, hmm, I guess like, I don't know. It, it, it the, I guess the way I tend to experience frustration is like, oh, I know, in unity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all coming back to you now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing about frustration is like you don't, unless it's like really bad, you don't really think about it that much. You think about the highs a lot mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. or the very low lows, um, at least the way, I, the way I'm thinking of it right now. Um, 
And so like with Unity, sometimes I have a hard time with like the documentation. Um, but then I don't think about, I recognize that like the documentation is bad, but then I don't think about it until after the fact. Like I'll think about that I got this thing in that I wanted to get in mm-hmm. um, and not about the the three hours it took me looking up all of the things I needed to do on the Unity forums because the Unity documentation is bad <laughs> um, to, to get to that point. Um, yeah. That's, I guess that's kind of weird. Like, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it, too. And I think I feel like that way with respect to, like, video games, too. Like, if I'm frustrated with this boss or whatever, I don't I think about, oh, I had a lot of frustration. I don't think about how much frustration I had about it. I think about the triumph I got after that point mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or I get to the point where like I'm so frustrated that I can't deal with this game anymore and I'm done with it. <laughs> but then that's like a low low at that point, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's how I've experienced it. Yeah, sometimes that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I'm what I'm pulling out from the three stories that we've shared: one, my bad morning; two, Mark's frustrating fridge. And three, Stephen's Unity experiences, which probably echo a lot of other Unity experiences, um, <laughs> is like frustration comes when you have a goal in mind and then you're not able to meet it in the way that you expected to be able to meet it. Yes. Right? Because like you expected to have to put in some work on the fridge. Yes. And you expect to do some research around Unity. Right. And I expected to be able to come pick you up <laughs> on the way to the <laughs> office this morning. Um, but then like running into snags that you didn't envision as part of the process of doing that, um, maybe is like what the kernel of frustration. Yeah. It seems like it's entirely about expectations because if you set, I mean, for example, like a lot of the Ikea building I've been doing has not frustrated me because I, because I know exactly how hard it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know how tired I'm going to be and how much my back is going to hurt at the end of the day. And that doesn't bother me in the same way other than the, just the back pain. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't frustrate me because I kind of know exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. But the fridge frustrated me because it, I knew it was going to be like a little silly, uh, but I didn't realize it was going to be as, has as many points of failure as it had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew I was going to get on the road this morning and I didn't know that my carefully planned route was correct, but Google was going to tell me it was wrong. Like, yeah. Well, like you knew you knew you were going to be tired from getting up so early on a, on a Sunday. But, yeah. But, and you, but, but you, you then had a totally different difficult experience than what you were expecting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew today was going to be different because we were, were recording a couple hours earlier mm-hmm. than we usually do. Um, and that has so far, yes, the experience has been a bit different, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't expect to have the additional frustration of waking up late. Yeah. And Stephen, for you let me know if this resonates, but like you expect to have to put in some work to make some stuff work in unity. Yes. And you expect to have to look some things up. Yes. But then you don't have to expect, expect to look up the looking up to look up the looking up, like mm-hmm. to just keep on researching to try to make sense yeah. of the documentation. Yeah. I also expect unity to have documentation on how <laughs> this function works. Yeah. And then they don't. And then I have to figure it out myself and it's like a trial and error sort of thing. And it's, Annoying. And it's always a forum post from 2014. Yep. That like has, it's the only information about a particular API on the entire yep. internet. Exactly. And then you're like, but that doesn't seem, you usually, okay, that looks correct, but it's seven years old <laughs> and things change. Yeah. I'm going to keep looking. <laughs> and then you're just kind of 
and he's wandering been, the wilderness he's been looking the for corroboration hours, yeah trying to find any other kind of article yeah can. and then you find something from yeah. 2017 and it says something different mm-hmm. you're like what you're yeah. like why did i even look or or if the worst thing is when you find a you find a post or whatever and they're like i'm having this problem and it's like the exact same problem you're having and they're like i solved it you know tell you how they solved <laughs> <What>? it yeah <sighs> it's happened too many times like, Please just tell me how you did it. Yeah. Please. I'm, I'm just picturing this as like a metaphorical walk through the desert of the internet. And there's like a dead cow skull over here and like a tumbleweed going over here. And yeah. it's like, I'm searching for the searching for the well of truth <laughs> about this API. Yep. I've been walking for days. No water. Yep. Yep. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, no, I that, that's a good point. I expect to be able to expect to have that documentation readily accessible and i expect to like look up some stuff because mm-hmm. i i mean I, at this point i know unity's documentation isn't gonna give me all the answers and it can't give me all the answers anyways right um so um i expect it to take some time but it just takes longer than i think and i don't expect to have to do trial and error and stuff and that becomes frustrating mm-hmm. yeah you'll budget like an extra hour to figuring a thing out mm-hmm. and then it will take three hours yep and then it will you're, you're just like why did i even budget the hour why didn't i just have an open-ended research session. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> so what about your experience of frustration in games? That's the next question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think we can look at this in, in two different ways because like there are some games where they're just, my experience was very low frustration. And that isn't to say that like everyone has low frustration around this particular game. It's just, I had an experience that had low frustration and we can dig into that a little bit. So a couple of the ones that I wanted to mention were, um, Spirit Fair, which I haven't finished, but played a little bit of, and it's so far very low frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, Firewatch is another one, and Breath of the Wild is the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Spirit Fair and Firewatch are similar, at least so far, in that it's a very like linear experience. I, there are some points in Firewatch specifically where I've gotten like turned around and lost and like couldn't figure out where I was, and that was a little frustrating because I, you know know where i need to get like i can see where i need to get on the map and i need to get there but you can't just like can't walk through the landscape like you would be able to if you were in a real landscape um which is probably good because if i were to take the shortcuts that i tried to take in firewatch and i were to take them in real life i'd probably break some bones so (laughs) maybe it's a good thing but like there's a little bit of frustration there where like i know where i need to get but i can't find the route there however i can I usually quickly find the route there. I know that if I just keep looking around, I'll eventually figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that game is pretty low frustration for me. And Breath of the Wild, the same thing. I think that the thing about Breath of the Wild that was different is like whenever I was having trouble progressing or something, I had that same experience. Like I know where I need to go, but I'm having difficulty getting past uh, an enemy to get there or beating something in order to get the thing that I need or figuring out that puzzle. There's like an entire world full of other stuff to do. Yeah. So I don't have to sit with that frustration. I can give myself a new different goal for a period of time mm-hmm. that I can quickly make fro- progress towards and kind of alleviate that that frustration mm-hmm. that I was feeling around like the main goal um, or my initial goal. So I think that's one of the reasons that Breath of the Wild wasn't very frustrating. It didn't really feel frustrating for me, even though there were some moments that were really, really challenging. Yeah. They didn't feel frustrating because I didn't have to sit with that feeling yeah um so yeah those are my experiences of like games that were low frustration you know it's interesting that that's the 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 cure for frustration in breath of the wild because as you get toward the 
once you start getting all the when you're going for the last two shrines mm-hmm. or if for those people crazy enough the last dozen korok seeds or so yeah then the frustration increases because there's less to distra- distract you you can't uh, change tracks as easily as you could early in the game when there were more tracks to change to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah but you, should, you know that's something that you opt into and i think also if you're going to go for that whole like the 100 percent korok seed or whatever it comes back to that idea of of expectations right right right? because you don't decide that you're going to go to 100 percent, you know without already having some experience with doing it right like just by playing the game you're going to get a lot of the korok seeds just by moving through the world you're going to find a lot of the temples and solve some of the puzzles and so you have an idea of what it will take to get 100 Mm percent and so your expectations are set appropriately um you know i don't know i've never gotten 100 percent of breath of the wild i have to ask someone who has whether it was frustrating well, I, I did all the shrines. I didn't get all the Korok seeds. And the last few were were frustrating in that there was a lot of tedium. Yeah. And yeah. and and I have a lot of time to sit with my own thoughts of like, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> like the last five, maybe. Yeah. And, and thinking like, should I just look up where it is? Like, no, because then I won't even, won't even want to go there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so I didn't. And I'm like, I probably should have <laughs> just to save the time. Yeah. Like, I, I, want- didn't, I didn't have any pride on the line. I really should have just cheated. I want to come back to the idea of looking things up at some point too, because I think yeah. that that there's something there that plays into this whole idea. But first, I want to hear um, from Stephen about low frustration games. Low frustration games. If Stephen plays any low frustration no, games, all intensity all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I guess. Hmm. I am having a hard time thinking of games. <laughs> well, I mean, like it doesn't have to be something that like is typically categorized as low frustration. Right, it's something right. that you experienced low frustration. Well, as I, I, I'm, I don't, I don't think I've been playing games recently that I have that have that aspect yeah. in them. Interesting. Like I'm thinking, like when I'm playing Civ Six, I play it on the highest difficulty, um, and I expect a certain amount of difficulty, right? Yeah. Challenge. Um, same with Humankind. Um, I've been playing Deathloop. That game is kind of hard, mm-hmm. so I expect to die a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, likes and things too. Um, it's called Deathloop. Yeah, Deathloop. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I haven't really been playing games to relax recently, so I can't. I'm having a hard time thinking of a game that is relaxing in that way. I guess like I used to play um, Picross. Mm-hmm. and stuff when I was on the train and I can do that again now since I'll be traveling to the office. <laughs> um, Steven, this is the frustration. Right, right, right. right. Sorry. <laughs> on topic. <laughs> um, and so like that, I guess like Picross is kind of low. Mm-hmm. They're easy and relaxing in some ways, but then you get to the harder puzzles and then like it takes you, it takes me like an hour or something to complete those puzzles. It takes me a while to do them. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't consider that relaxing. I would just consider that distracting sort of like well, your mind is just focused on this one thing so you don't have to think about other stuff i guess the way that i've been thinking about it though is like relaxing and relaxing and frustrating definitely seem to be at odds right yeah. but i'm not sure if difficulty and frustrating necessarily go hand in hand i would agree with that yeah yeah so yeah and I was hoping to explore that idea more today. So that's why my sentence just kind of ended. Yeah. Well, Steven seems to have a different vocabulary for this. Yeah. Which is why he's, I think you're having a difficult time kind of framing it the way that Ellen's framing it. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I, it, it makes a lot of sense to me how I frame it. So I think you might be the outlier here um, in how you, like, you, like how you remember your experience. Yeah. Well, games. okay. So let's talk it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, a lot of the times I do tend to play a lot of hard games 
I guess. Um, just cause I don't know. I like, I do think that like, generally speaking, if I want to relax, I watch TV and I'll play games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm looking for a challenge, so I'm looking for an, an aspect of frustration. Right. And, but I'm expecting that, like I'm expecting that challenge. So it doesn't feel as frustrating in the moment when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm thinking about like Neo two. Actually, I'm thinking about my, the first time I played the first Neo. Um, I spent like three hours trying to get fast, like the, literally the first checkpoint <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it was so hard. And I think at that point, like I knew it was going to be difficult and it was clear I was getting wrecked. So I knew like I knew I was going to have a hard time with it. So I just kept practicing and learning and getting better. And eventually I got to the point where I could beat that checkpoint. And I spent the next hour trying to get to the second checkpoint. Um, but like that wasn't it was frustrating, but engaging and, mm-hmm. you know, challenging. So I enjoyed that. So it didn't feel frustrating. Yeah. You know, you've described on the show before mm-hmm. how you don't really get mad at games, like when you lose or when you're not doing well. Mostly when I but actually. Then it, but then everyone's like, but Steven, I've seen it happen because it's multiplayer games yeah, where you really games. get revved up and get and get your emotions rise. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that's, so maybe talk about that. Like when I, your brother beats you at Mario Kart. <laughs> his face just changed. I wish you guys could see it. <laughs> I don't play Mario Kart. No, um, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I, yeah, I don't tend to because like when I'm playing a single player game, the only person I can get mad at it myself. And like, I don't know, I'm not yeah, good. And at who the game. can get just, mad at Steven? Right, I can't even do that. Actually, that's no. I, if anybody gets mad at Steven, it's Steven. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I do get frustrated at some multiplayer games when like I feel. I, I think I get frustrated at game in general at games when I'm not doing how i expect yeah and it's not clear why i'm not doing well Mm. when i yeah exactly like if i if there's no clarity as to why like in in a fighting game if i get beat down in a fighting game i know i'm not as good as the other player Mm -hmm. most of the time then i'm like okay with that even in the times when i feel like i could have beat this player and i didn't like it's because i made some mistakes during the thing or whatever right i just messed up during that time or my i'm not in the zone at that moment or whatever Mm -hmm. i can deal with that but like if i'm playing a game and I've had this issue with um, humankind because, like, there's some things in that game that are just, to me, don't make sense. Um, <laughs> if I'm playing a game and I don't understand why this isn't working the way I expect it to or why I'm getting beat down, then I get really frustrated with that mm-hmm. experience. Um, and I'm thinking about, actually, when we were playing, we played that um, detective game. Um, oh, yeah, place. you really didn't like that game because <laughs> uh, it's Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. Yeah. It's a board game. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's sort of narrative. You could you play through it once. It's not replayable because yes. um, you like follow a story and solve a mystery. Yeah. Um, and the mechanic is you go to different parts around London and then you read from a book the the a story and then mm-hmm. you d- decide where to go next. That's mm-hmm. the basic mechanic. Yeah. And Steven, you hated it. I did not. Well, it's, I was into it when we were playing it, but like we didn't. We ended up not doing well. Right. We we got very few of the clues. Yeah. In the first and, case, yeah. and it wasn't. Like I think we made we just like accidentally made a mistake early on in the beginning because we didn't quite understand the the way that the game was trying to direct us to go. Yeah. Um. And I found that very frustrating because I was like, I felt like we were doing everything correctly. We were following all the clues that the game was trying to give us, mm-hmm. and we just did poorly. So it just felt like I wasted my time. <laughs> you know, that's so funny because I because I think we we kind of agreed what was wrong with it. Yep. But I really like I like the ga- the concept of the game so much. Yeah. Uh, that we we made like a, 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 a according to the game we made a fatal mistake early and mm-hmm. it sent us kind of on a wild goose chase for the rest of the game. Yep, mm-hmm. and and that's what was that was, was frustrating about right. it. Right. But that didn't bother me in the same way because I thought the core concept was so strong. I just thought that 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 the part 
was just written in a little clumsy way. Yeah. So I just had like feedback for the designers. Is sure. really all I had. Yeah. I, I liked the game too much to let that ruin it for me. Yeah. But um. But no, I didn't. I didn't. But we had the. We agreed on what the problem. We was. totally did. We yeah. totally did. And I. I just think I felt like I couldn't trust the game to yeah. direct me now at this point. So I felt like I, if I played the game again, I would get it, it into that same. Situation. Oh sure. I guess so, I just had had faith that it wasn't going to happen again. Or if it did, yeah, I would judge it then and not right away. Sure. Yeah, huh, interesting. I, 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 I guess I had lost faith at that point. Yeah, I'm also reminded when we played that game, The Grizzled. Yeah, we recorded that. Stephen hated that game too. Yeah. Um, that if you want to hear Stephen hate that game on mic? <laughs> listen to you, it on Patreon. You can join us at Patreon. Yeah, patreoncom nicegameflow. <laughs> um, but that game, I also got frustrated with that game because I mean that game is in tended to be punishing and very challenging right right and it's it, supposed to make you a little sad yeah, yeah and it felt like whatever i do was gonna be bad so it didn't feel like there was any real way to like do well right so it just yeah. felt, again it felt like a waste of time yeah it felt like i was just going to feel bad playing the game and i, I think that like it works to the benefit of that game i feel like like i said before i think that game works in a lot of ways just doesn't work for me. Right. That's what the game is supposed to do. Exactly. Right. And, and that's why I liked it because it felt like a great marriage of theme and, yeah. and mechanics. Well, mm-hmm. But that but that was me just sort of like almost academically saying like it did its job really well. Yeah. And you're like, this isn't fun. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, they're both correct opinions. Yeah. You know. Well, back to expectations, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it comes right back to expectations. You were saying, Stephen, like you choose really challenging games, you expect them to be challenging. Mm-hmm. And so even though you're experiencing them as challenging, yeah. you don't necessarily experience a high degree of frustration yeah. because it's aligned with your expectations. Well, and, and and with those games that are challenging, I expect to get better and learn from, you know, poor play or whatever and get better at the game and eventually get to the point where, like, it's not as challenging to do certain things anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with the games I we were talking about with the Grizzled and things, it didn't feel like, at least in the moment, it didn't feel like I could get better at the game to a point where, like, it wouldn't be nearly as challenging as it was at that time. Yeah. So it just felt like any skills I learned from this game are not going to benefit me in the future. And so I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I think is an interesting segue to what I want to talk about next, which is just like our experiences of frustrating games. We kind of blended these two categories because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. we're already contrasting them, but like to bring it around some of the games that I have found frustrating um, were like, some of the Metroid games, for one, sure. um, especially like the 2D Metroid games, like Metroid Fusion just completed that a few weeks ago. Super Metroid, which I love, has some really frustrating moments. Um, and then I'm going to contrast that with Thoth and and maybe Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah. Um, so Metroid Fusion, Super Metroid, those games, like my expectation going in is that I'm going to have some moments of challenge, but I'm going to be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And some of the things with Metroid, especially with Metroid Fusion, like there were some really frustrating moments where I wasn't figuring it out, like especially with the bosses, you know, like they all all have like some gimmick or something that you have to do specifically to be able to make it work. And there were some like, um, like Neo Ridley and, uh, the SAX at the end, it was just like, what, what it is not clear. Like, it's not clear to me what I need to be doing. I know that I'm not executing correctly, but it's also not clear what I need to be doing and what I need to be getting better at, you know? So those, those specific glasses were pretty frustrating. Um, And I did end up looking one of them up Mm -hmm. um, because I just like, I was just getting too frustrated um, with myself and, or the game. 
Um, and then when I figured out the strategy, it was ended up being really easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to execute it like first time I tried it. Yeah. Or like maybe the first or second time. Um, so that was interesting. And then with with Ori in the Blind Forest, that one was weird because for much of the early game, it was like very it was very low frustration. Yeah. And then there was this one sequence where I had to go, you have to like jump vertically in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. And um things are like falling around you and it's really, really difficult. And what I had to just try it so many times and it was such a huge spike in challenge. I think from, I know exactly the part you're talking probably about. Probably do. It, I felt the same. Yeah, it was a huge spike in challenge compared to the beginning of the game that it really, like it really felt incredibly frustrating because my yeah. expectations had been had been set by my early game experience. Right. And then this came, it seemed to come out of nowhere. Now, the interesting thing is, I do remember that being really frustrating but I'm really glad I worked through it because by the time I was done and actually had figured out how to get there, I was so good at using the controls mm-hmm. that I could like fly through the forest. I think in the way that the game, the game makers intended me to be able to do. Right. You were so, forged by that experience. Exactly. I was literally forged by that experience. Yeah. Um, and, and the rest of the game was just like smooth sailing because I had, I had honed my skills so much yeah. in that one sequence. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe that, I'm not sure if that's good game design. You know, it's funny because I had almost the opposite feeling of that where I got through that section, if this is the same one we're talking about. And it one, if you're doing it by the 15th time you're doing it, it, all the drama is gone. Yeah. Right. All the the tension and suspense and none of that music works on you anymore. It's just grind. It's just grind. And then when you finally beat it, you finally get that last 5%. Because that's the thing that's most frustrating is that you keep dying and dying and and you inch further and further. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that feels really, really cool. And you do get better at the game as you go. But then well, you get stuck at a part and then the, the end is just 5% past that. And you don't know that until you get the 5% past. Yeah. Then it fe- then the, there's no sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Because it's like I've done 95% of this 12 times. Yeah. So 100% of it does not feel good, you know. Right. It's just like, well, yeah, I've arrived. And it, it, it ended up souring me on the rest of the game. Oh, interesting. Like it just, I felt like, well, if this is what the game's going to do for me, like, I guess I'll finish it. I'm invested. But like. It just none of it was interesting to me more after it, that. And it never really did that same thing again. Yeah, like, that's right. It never had that same emotional, like it never had a sequence that created that same emotional experience for me. It was the rest of the game. It's like it never, it was that one thing that like forged my skills. Yeah. And then that's what they were. And the rest of the game was. There is a similar like auto scrolly chasey thing at the very end. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think I maybe beat that on the second try. Yeah. Maybe. And it might be because I was good by that point. Yeah. And, but, the, but then the drama level is totally different. Right. Yeah, it was interesting. Or then, just that session was easier. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it comes back to expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone's expectations are going to be different. So everyone's experience of frustration and so on and so forth is going to be different. Right. Um, but and then finally, to contrast some of those stories with Thoth, I downloaded Thoth knowing it was hard. Mm-hmm. And I played it and was bad at it knowing it was hard. Right. <laughs> um, and I just expected kind of like you were saying Stephen, with some of the games you're playing you expected to have it be difficult and to die a lot and to get better as you went along and that's yeah. exactly what i did and sometimes i would sail through a level the first time i'd be like wow wow that happened mm-hmm. and then i died 10 times in the next one because it's <laughs> just how it works yeah. um i didn't really feel a lot of frustration in that game even though it was really challenging mm-hmm. uh, until i got to like the randomized levels at the end then i just kind of stopped <laughs> but it comes out to frustration again right like i expected in because of the the normal levels in the game i think there are 64 of them i can't remember exactly but like 
you just you do the sequence over and over again and then you die and you start at the, in the beginning of each of like the um quadruplets uh that they have and then you get to a checkpoint and you start the next one you get to a checkpoint you start the next one with the randomized levels you don't know what you're going to get yeah. so you can't necessarily like progress in that same fashion your experience of progression isn't the same and yeah. so the experience of frustration isn't the same yeah um yeah so that kind of rounds out the experiences i wanted to share um but i guess is there anything else you guys want to add on or maybe bring to a point on the relationship between frustration, difficulty, and expectations. I, I think the one dimension we haven't quite hit on, but I mean, you touched on it just a bit. But we didn't get into it, which is too much. Which is the idea of like um, uh, not knowing what's going on, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And and so it's still related to expectations in a way. But like um, the one for me was was humankind. Uh, we oh, sure. we played that multiplayer a couple weeks ago. Yep. And, um, and I, I got really frustrated with it because I, I think I got placed in a weird part of the map too, Yeah. but, but I kind of was like, okay, this is going to be an extra challenge uh, and I was kind of going to accept it. But then it got really boring for me mm-hmm. because, um, like I didn't know what to do next. Right. Meanwhile, we're all on voice chat and I'm hearing every, what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And I'm like, why, why is that not happening? Like, or, you know, um, whereas in Civ Six, when I'm falling behind everybody else, doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, because I kind of I kind of have a better full understanding of those systems. Right. Whereas with Humankind, because it's still I'm still new to it. Yeah. I was I was just very frustrated. Yeah, and I remember you like I I had said that at a certain point I was like oh I've gotten like four of the seven stars I need to move on and yeah. then I remember you were at a point where you were like how I can't even imagine a world where I'm at that point at this moment in time yeah like I had like no that. conception of where they came from so it, it right. wasn't me like oh I'm not doing good enough to get those I'm like how does anyone do anything to yeah. even know where that is yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and totally it was very frustrating mm-hmm. because like I didn't mind I didn't mind being in last place yeah I just didn't know it like there was no possible mechanism for me. There was nothing for me to try and fail at. Yeah. Is what it felt like. Yeah, totally. Um and I think that's the thing where the maybe the the early game just drags a little bit, maybe might be part of it. Um I uh, I don't know about I can't I can't speak to humankind in that way because I feels like the early if humankind has the problems. Um <laughs> I think that the early game kinda is random in a lot of ways that yeah. are frustrating. Differently in Civ and not like you can randomly spawn in a really crappy part of the map. Mm-hmm. You don't have good production or food or whatever. In humankind, there's this whole era in the beginning where you you play as in you know in the Neolithic era, and you're a bunch of uh, tribes trying to hunt wildlife and grow to become eventually an actual civilization. Yeah. Um. And I think there's a lot of randomization in that. In that, like, sometimes you don't get any animals. You can um hunt till you can get more um, influence and stuff. Uh, sometimes there's just not a lot of curiosities around you. The la- again, the land could be bad around you and doing yeah. stuff. And if you um, don't know the systems very well, you don't know how to adapt to that. Yes. And then, and then when I and you were helping me, you because you knew a lot more about the game, so you were telling me like what what I would know if I played a few times, so I yeah. could make some choices. But then I just felt forced into choices by the by the state of the map. Yeah. And then it wasn't very fun. Right. I felt like I don't want to make this choice, but I have to, or else I'm not going to do as well. Yeah. And because I made the choice I didn't want to, now I have to lean into that, and I my instincts are not. So it just felt like the whole thing felt more like a task sure. a game at a certain point. Sure. But I, I suppose that will change with experience because the game, I mean, I'm still, I still like the game in a sense enough to try it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I have a few more experiences like that, I might just drop off it entirely. Right. But I feel like I, I really hope familiarity will help with that. I think it, I think it would, but I, I, I but I, I think I see the direction you're going in and that like the game did not describe how to get better. Yeah. And so there was no, it, at that moment, 
talking for you, I guess. But in that moment, like it didn't feel like there was any way to get better. So, but other people were also doing better. So like, it felt like there was no way to actually get to that point or it wasn't clear how to get to that point. Yeah. And it was less about like competition and yeah. more of just about stuff to do. Exactly. Yeah. I just sure. had no stuff to do. Sure, but sure. that leads back to the whole thing you're talking about, Ellen, just this idea of like, um, like not, not, not being able to generate expectations. Mm-hmm. So like, like my expectations were that I would know what was going on. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of games have that where like they, you know, they have weird controls or they start at the difficulty curve is really, really steep. Mm-hmm. And then, the I guess it's up to a game designer to to engineer that frustration as surmountable. Yeah. Right. Like the goal for a game designer, if you want to make a hard game, it, you know, you kind of have to accept that players will kind of hate it at the beginning, and you need to give them enough to motivate them to get past that feeling. Right. To either get familiar enough with it, you know, because I think it could be very. If you're a game designer, it could be very tempting to just try to make everything like a really polished user experience that feels lovely and, and friendly, mm-hmm. but then you're not making your game anymore. You're making an app. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. But that's the real challenge, right? To find that balance. Yeah. When you're talking about like steep learning curves, I was reminded of my experience trying to learn EVE online. It lasted ah. five minutes. <laughs> I was in space. My ship was gone and I didn't know what to do. So I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. So I guess, what I'm hearing from what I, what I think what we can maybe take away from this conversation about frustration and what leads to it and how to overcome it and the, the player experience when it comes to like principles we can apply to game design. Um, I feel like I'm hearing a few different things. One, there's going to be a frustration Two, It's going to, the experience of frustration is going to vary from player to player. Yep. Um, it's not necessarily the same thing as difficulty. So if you want to make a difficult game, you also have to think about frustration as a separate thing, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and the you, you might decide that frustration is not desirable while difficulty is. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to go that route where you want to make something difficult, but you don't necessarily want to create something that's so frustrating that the player bounces off of it, um, you have to you have to somehow work to set player expectations appropriately and make it seem fair. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, as I'm saying those words, um, uh, Dark Souls comes to mind, like the whole series, yeah. because I hear that, you know, I'm not, I'm not an avid player of Dark Souls, but Eric is. And one of the things I ask him about, I mean, like, why do you like the series so much? He's, he likes it because it's difficult, but it feels fair. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he, he can get frustrated. Like anyone can get frustrated with playing games. He's playing Darkest Dungeon again right now. And he's, Sometimes I'll hear him go, ah! I'll be upstairs and I'll just hear um, from downstairs. I never hear him do that with a Dark Souls game mm-hmm. because I think his expectations are precisely set where they need to be yeah. um, for the difficulty of the and game. It, yeah, that's, a, that's how Neil felt too. Like I expect it to be difficult. I expect to get beat up, but like it's always when I fail, it's because I messed up. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the impression I get with Darkest Dungeon, having not played it, is that there's a lot of random things that will happen yeah. mm-hmm. that will just make the game harder for you and you can't really control that. You just have to adapt to it. Yeah. But in that moment, it would be frustrating. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yep. I, I think that I feel like a lot of like the onboarding process would help with, you know, reduce the amount of frustration that people have mm-hmm. um, with games. Because then if you, you know, you have a better understanding of what the game is at the point, even if the game becomes challenging right away, you know that there's ways to get better or there are systems in place that you can learn about mm-hmm. to improve your progress. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a good aspect to it. And, and player expectation. 
um, I think is important too. Yeah. Um, which, you know, everybody's going to expect the game to be different. So, um, or they're going to expect the game differently. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I guess that's, it's not, it's not, you can't exactly super control that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Right, right. There's some things you can do about it, like the aesthetics and stuff. If the game is hard, like aesthetically make the game seem difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about communication. You find yeah. different ways to communicate that to the player without, you know, beating them over the head with it. Like yes. putting a disclaimer at the beginning. This game is difficult. Right. Um, but also sometimes do that too. <laughs> maybe sometimes do that too. Well, and I guess one of the things that we did mention is like having outlets. Mm-hmm. So like with Breath of the Wild, we were talking about how if you get stuck, you know, there's things you can do yeah. unless you're stuck on the, on the Korok seeds. And you just... <laughs> At that point, you just have to grind your way out. Yeah. But like, if you're stuck on one of the main, um, the main temples and those puzzles, then like going to some of the side quests or just riding your pony around and shooting stuff, mm-hmm. um, cool things to do that are an alleviation for frustration. Or with Thoth, like if I'm trying to get past those randomized, um, randomly generated levels at the end, mm-hmm. because there's a higher degree of randomness, there's a higher degree of frustration or higher mm-hmm. capacity for frustration because. Right. The expectations are you can't tune your expectations and the results as much because it's randomized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I get frustrated, I can always take a break and just go back and do some of the regular levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So having some some kind of like um, release valves in the game might be a good thing too. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, okay. I want to talk about the Discord. We have a Discord that you can check out, nicegames.club slash Discord. And we have a lot of conversations about random topics that we maybe have talked about on the show, maybe haven't talked about on the show. Um, also, you can find some pictures of the new clubhouse um, on the Discord as well. Yeah. It's very fancy. You can see the couch. It's a nice looking couch. It's a very nice looking couch. It's got some good pillows. It's got some pillows. Yeah. <laughs> well, aside from um, views from the new clubhouse, um, you can your conversations with other listeners. Mm-hmm. And what's really nice is a lot of times we a new episode would post, and then some people would talk talk about the topic, and that's kind of what we wanted to start as. But what's starting to happen now is people are bringing their own conversations. They're they're actually now getting to know each other, yeah. And they're starting to share things. They're actually connecting outside of that space and working on stuff together. So yeah. it's become a, a you know a little tight knit community uh, right there in the Discord channel. And uh, we'd love you to join them. Yeah, yeah. You can go to nicegames.club slash Discord to join them. Puns welcome. (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
this is a good conversation we had. I can't do the transitions. <laughs> we'll just we'll put in Martha's all-purpose transition here, and that'll that'll save the day. Yeah, you know that topic. It's time for the next one. Hey. <laughs> Perfect. Right, that was this topic. Um, yes, I'm talking about meetings today because I've had meetings at Future Club, my new job. I guess it's, like I've been there for two and a half months. At a certain point, I can't call it my new job, but I'm still calling it my new job, I guess. Right. Um, but anyways, I've been, we've been having meetings in Future Club and stuff, and they've been good compared to my previous job where we didn't have a lot of meetings at all but i felt directionless a lot of the days hmm. yeah um so I, I i guess i'm here to argue that meetings can be good <laughs> <laughs> they don't necessarily have to be a waste of time right um but i think there's some important things that you want to keep in mind when you're scheduling or planning for meetings um like i think it's important to make sure that you you know you're having a meeting for a purpose you don't just want to have a meeting for no reason yeah that's a waste of time <laughs> yeah um um, I, I, in my opinion, um, some of the purposes of meetings is to like get people on the same page about stuff to discuss like possibilities, possibility spaces. Like, I don't know if you want to figure out how, how should we take this character? What direction should this character go for something? Um, planning for like, you know, your next sprint or the next week, like, what are you going to be doing? Are there other reasons to have meetings? I guess like to coordinate with other people outside of your like company or business or something. I mean, there's, you know, uh, making decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Making decisions. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the meeting. Me people hate meetings generally yeah. because yeah. you don't walk out with a decision made. Yeah. Right. And so if you can, if you can make a decision in a meeting or have a meeting specifically to make a decision, yeah. um, you might end up liking meetings. Yeah. Expectations and frustration. There you yeah. go. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why these topics are paired. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I, I feel like meetings generally like can save you time in the long run because like, you know, you'll have, you know, you make decisions and stuff about that. But 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 I think that will slow you down in the in the short run because like you have to spend 30 minutes, an hour or whatever talking about stuff. Right. It's it's work time you're spending. It's work yeah. time you're spending in that work. I mean, I guess it depends on your actual job at a company. But I think that work just talking about stuff can oftentimes not feel like it's productive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um even though it is it'll be future productive yeah but not current productive yeah you have to think about how it feeds into your efficiency in your work overall not just on like a you know hour by hour or day by day scale but like yeah. if it if you spend half an hour in a meeting to get answers directly from the source as opposed to like spending like th that half an hour spread out over two days via email yeah. Like you're spending less time task switching. Mm -hmm. So that is saving your you time in the long run. Right. Yeah. Even though for that half an hour you gotta be focused on this meeting. Right. Um, it's ultimately better time management because you get the answers that you need and then you can just move forward. Yeah. The opposite corollary to that is um meetings I used to have at a uh old job of mine mm -hmm. where um I would be in a meeting just to listen, just to like hear like a, a project kickoff or something sure. just to hear and that's important sometimes but i also could have gotten that as emails sent to me over yep. the course of yeah. two days because i wasn't i wasn't engaging i was just there to be get the information yeah i didn't need it in the meeting yeah but, <gasps> right so <laughs> yeah i don't like those meetings like send me the stuff let me digest it mentally i'm not going to print it out and eat it but like read it and understand it and come up with questions so that when we have our kickoff meeting, it's not just reviewing information, but it's really like me making sure I understand what you sent me yeah. and what you need. Like that's a, that, oh, mm. <laughs> I feel slightly meeting triggered. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's important. I think that like being, I think it's also important to make sure you're like directing the meetings so that you get the thing you need to get done done, mm-hmm. right? Um, or if you get the thing you need to get done done early, just end the meeting. Don't just talk about random stuff for twenty minutes. You know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you could still get work done. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels and you're just wasting your time. That's what. I, yeah. I think a lot of people have frustration with meetings, myself included, when it just feels like there's a lot of stuff that is getting talked about that is irrelevant to the things you're doing, um, and you don't need to be there. Yeah. Like if, I mean, I've hear I've heard it a bunch of times. You know, this could have been an email. Those yeah. are the worst kinds of meetings, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they could have just spent the time to type up the four paragraphs or whatever, so you have all this information, and you don't need to be sitting there and having somebody explain this information to you for thirty minutes. Yeah, um, if you have questions, just email them back, and then you can then you can you and that person can have a back and forth, and you don't have to waste five other people's time. Yeah. Um, do you think people, some people do that, hold meetings when they can could have just written an email because they aren't confident that people will read the email? I mean, sometimes that's a good reason to have a meeting, like, if, yeah. depending on the people you work with. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. You have to know who you're working with. It, like, establishes accountability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a sense. I mean, that. I mean, if that's the work environment you have, then that's not good news. But Well, I mean, so one purpose of having a meeting is to, like, discuss work that somebody has done and give feedback on that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in the moment, you want to give feedback, you know, like, through voice, because it's easier to describe the emotions or how you feel about this thing that they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you could just say in a Slack message, this looks good, or I don't like this thing. And it's easy to describe those things. Um, and then if you want to, if they have more questions about the feedback you've given or whatever, then y'all can have your own separate conversation outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think it depends. Yeah. It depends on like the work you're doing and the team you're working with, um, whether or not it makes sense to literally hold a meeting for feedback or to just like ask for feedback on your slack or whatever however you communicate mm-hmm. um yeah the yeah. one problem you have with some in meetings is um if no one's taking notes or there's no after action report yeah mm-hmm. or something then um people can walk away with different memories of what, yep. what happened yep. so uh slack or email is usually better for making sure everybody is literally on like knows literally the, the facts at hand mm-hmm. and so meetings are good for processing th- th- those facts you know making sure everybody understands um right things that would be slower in email exactly right? yeah that's when it's i think that's when this beth and ellen was saying that too like if it if your conversation would end up being like you know spread over spread out over a few days through through email or text or what have you um it's better to just have a meeting because you can clear that up more quickly that way um and you won't spend you know the next few days being somewhat confused and messing up some stuff that could have been more quickly clarified earlier on um and so then, but it's hard to know, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's hard to know. I feel like, generally speaking, when I've like asked somebody, with like, hey, can I do a quick call with you to get this to work or whatever? Um, those calls have been really fast, like five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah. Um, because like we know the per the the the, the purpose of the call is this one question, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas, like, if you have a meeting that's like an hour long, there can be a bunch of different topics, and it's hard to direct those those ones specifically mm-hmm. um, to get the answers you need to be able to work. Um, that's harder, right? Yeah. So, I guess I want to talk about like when you should have meetings, and when you shouldn't have meetings. I have some stuff written down. I don't think this is a end all be all of when you should have meetings or not, but mm-hmm. like, um, 
I guess I want to talk about them. Like regular standups are good. Like just 15 minutes every day saying, I'm doing this. I did this yesterday. I'm planning on doing this tomorrow or whatever. I think that's helpful because it keeps everybody, everybody knows what you're working on and you know what you're working on. So uh, everybody's on the same page with that. And if you're having difficulties, that would be stand-up meeting. They're a good time to bring that up because then it could be, you know, a future conversation down the line. Yeah. Um, planning for weeks, planning for your week, planning for the next sprint. So you know what you need to work on. Um, and you're not just, you know, working on things that are not valuable in the moment. Um, clarifying stuff, making sure that there's no confusion about things um you can just like you, those can be like five minutes i guess if you need more time you can take more time but making sure that everybody's on the same page about things is important um getting feedback on work you've done um outside conversations i think these kind of have to be meetings like when you're having conversations with people outside of the business um you kind of have to make that a meeting because you're not going to be able to contact you be in contact with them regularly right unless it's through email and that can be a very slow process because they're doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you kind of have to make those meetings in order for that to work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then if you're working remotely, having like social meetings is good because um, otherwise you don't know the people you're working with. <laughs> yeah. That's the one I was going to mention because yeah. the, the team, I mean, we're, we're, we're both working on remote teams. Right. And um, you, we have, my team has one weekly meeting. Mm hmm. And so we don't have an agenda because it's a, it happens every week yeah. and regardless of what's going on. Right. And so we do a little, everyone reports on what they've been doing for the past week, what they're going to do for the next week. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the time is kind of brainstorming time. Yeah. So it's very unstructured. Mm -hmm. and a lot of the, the, the hallmarks of what we've described already is like bad things in meetings, yeah. which is just doing, you know, an aimless wander. Well, you know, but. We need it because that's our that's actual work time for us. It's yeah. not really a meeting anymore. Yeah, yeah, working um, meeting. Well, we we did we discuss design things. We throw out new ideas. Mm -hmm. We're like, well, if that's gonna you know, and it ends up kind of going in random directions. Yeah. But as long as we do that thing up top, where we where we say what we're doing, what we did, and what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and because our team is so small, that kind of works. Yeah. But it kind of only works because we're really remote. Mm -hmm. If if we were if we were all working in the same office, mm -hmm. I think that would just be better done walking from desk to desk yeah. or yep. whatever you yep. know what i mean yeah um like kind of just during the day yeah totally um, totally um and yeah and I, I had that i mean i had that experience um when i was working in an office um if i had questions about stuff i'd just walk over to the desk and go hey uh can i ask you about this thing and they'd be like yeah um or no come back to me later or something yeah um and then they would cut you know it'd be the same thing people would ask me questions yeah um but like you can just kind of do that intermittently throughout the day because you know you're all right there in the office um and i guess the same way kind of works when you're doing it through slack but um yeah you, like if somebody has a question they could just you know shoot off a slack message going hey i have a question about this mm -hmm. um but i guess when i was talking about with respect to this is like social meetings being like getting to know one another and right like feeling like you're working with humans <laughs> 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 yeah. and not just people who are supposed to give you work yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um um, but I think that like what, the way you're describing it, Mark, with 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 your team is that like you use that meeting as how long how long is that meeting? May I ask? It is 20 minutes to two hours. Oh, OK. <laughs> Depends on <laughs> very unstructured. Right. And that's and it's because we use it for work time if we need to. Right. And then sometimes it will just evolve into like what else is going on. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we just chat about whatever. Right. But it, it t the, the impression I'm getting with that is like you get the, the, the actual meeting stuff done right away. Yeah. And then the rest of that time is like 
kind of getting to know one another and also getting work done that you need to do as mm-hmm. a group. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. Um, and so like it's it's kind of a social meeting in that like you're still getting to know each other uh, while you're still working on the you know, the rest of the the tasks that you wanted yeah. to get done sort of in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I'm talking about like, uh, there's this one thing that we've been trying to do. Um, I think it's called lunch and learn or lunch and something. Lunch and learn. Lunch and learn sort yeah. of thing where like you just spend an hour and uh, like people on the team will bring like a topic to talk about for like just 30 out. minutes. Yeah, kind of just hanging out. Okay. But okay. also learning about stuff or getting to know other people's interests. Yeah. Like yeah. I brought one of the things I did is I brought Glom to um, um to my coworkers and we mm-hmm. all played it together and that was really fun um, and stuff like that. Um, I think that's really important just so, you know, like I said, you know that you're working with other people um, and you get to know them a little bit better. Yeah, with a remote team, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because otherwise it's just a bunch of people on Slack. Um, yeah. And like yeah. you can have, uh, you can get to know people through Slack, through text, but it's not as, there's there's a, there's a certain amount that you need to know about other people in order to get work done better. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and trust. You got to build trust with your team. Yes. And that it's, it's a tough thing. I don't know, Mark, if I would like to be part of your very, very unstructured meeting. <laughs> um, I could, I could like hear you, this, uh, the steam coming out of your ears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I felt like there were gears in my head that just kind of like hitched for a second. Because yeah. um, I, I really like having working sessions, but I like that to be the expectation up front, right? Because yep. like, if it were a meeting that I expected to run for an hour and we were going to do these things, and then it ran for three hours, oh, it's Lord. like. The worst or two yeah. hours. It's like I don't, I don't do I. I don't want to leave because <laughs> I don't want to leave my teammates hanging. But also, I wasn't planning on doing this, and mm-hmm. the dogs need to be walked. And yeah, and then I have to make yeah. choices that I don't like making. Yep. Um, unless I I'm later expecting. on in this, pro- we're pretty early in this project, so mm-hmm. I suspect that it will there'll be less of that going forward. But partly yeah. just because we don't have that thing you're talking about, Stephen. That mm-hmm. that that um, structured social time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we kind of weave it in a little bit, a little yep. sort of informally. Yeah, yep. um, makes sense. That makes yeah. sense too. And neither of us are really that worried about like getting the workday started because it's such a small team. Yeah. That like our accountability gets established during those meetings. Yeah, right? good like, point. Good you know, point. It's like, I'm going to work for six hours on this thing. And then instead we have like an hour and a half talk about an unrelated design thing. And then we, we all do that with the understanding that it's going to change what the rest of our days look like. Yeah. We, we can yeah. be that flexible. Yeah. 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 That's true. And, yeah, it's interesting though because the what you were saying, Stephen, about like that social time. Yeah, um, you got to. I mean, really, it's really worth putting in some of that time, regardless, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if that's going to be because of, if that's going to be through your unstructured meetings, you know, God bless, Godspeed. <laughs> um, but Ellen's being very generous with her description right now. <laughs> bless your heart is what I'm hearing. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. I mean, personally, I would prefer to like have my meeting and then be like, okay, let's chat later. And then like set up a time where we can just show up and play a game together online. Or like, I'm going to make a tea and we're just going to sit and chat or like look at funny memes or something. I don't know. Like I'd rather have that time be its own. I will say, so the, the, um, there is some value to doing something unoptimally. Mm -hmm. If optimizing it will take more time than the time you lose from the inefficiency. That's true. true. And I think that's probably the case for us. Well, that's exactly what this thing, like meetings kind of do, right? Yeah. Like odds, the the goal is to optimize or improve productivity in certain aspects Mm -hmm. at the expense of the work, of the work you could be doing during the meeting time. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, if if it, well, that's the thing. If the meeting is going to take longer than it would take you to get the thing done, then like, why are you having the meeting? Right. That's yeah, the, I've definitely been t- tapping my toes in a meeting, being like, I can just go do this. I can just go do this. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me go do this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that like top of the meeting is you know the meeting has started it's top of the hour now it's all business like mm-hmm. you know there's always like in the meetings i'm a part of i do like and in- encourage and participate in like some casual just checking in checking up stuff yeah, yeah. like at the beginning and then usually there's like this kind of nebulous to five to ten minutes of that mm-hmm. depending on who's showing up when and then it's like okay we're all here we all checked in with each other as people now we're going to switch on business mode and it's yeah. It's focused work time. And someone needs to have the authority to say, all right, enough chit chat, let's get going. Yep. And everybody needs to be like, oh, okay, sure. Like, yeah. I mean, it, whereas I think a lot of times in small groups, especially on indie teams, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like, no one wants to step into their toes. No one wants to be the mean boss. No one wants to put their foot down. Mm-hmm. And then you, you lose a lot of, of more to that. Yeah. When, yeah. when you, you sort of don't have anybody sort of playing. Um, camp counselor. Yeah. 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 There's always the, well, shall we get, like, there's always like the, take a deep breath and go, well, shall we get started? And then you can be that person without saying, so we're gathered here today to talk about, you know, (laughs) because I think you're all, you know, your teammates are there because they want to get stuff done. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, you don't have to, just because you're saying it's time to get down to work doesn't mean you're going to be the bad guy. Now, if you're always saying, stop talking about what you did on the weekend, I don't care. Well, then you're the bad guy. Right. Because it's just rude, and then you're just not interested in what other people are interested in. Yeah, well, you got to be a <laughs> yeah. You, you're working with people, so yeah. like you got to be care for them as people. Exactly. Yeah, it's a balancing act. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think about like meeting decorum. That maybe is a different topic. <laughs> oh sure, <laughs> that's just like conversations. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's like I mean, it, it's it's not just about attitude. It's just about like when deciding when have we talked about something long enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When is it time to table it for the next meeting? Yeah. Because sometimes a topic is bigger than you thought it was going to be. That's yep. true. So, you know, you want to have a, you want to have a structure. You actually want to be kind of rigid in some ways, mm-hmm. but you also have to recognize when that's hurting your productivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, probably less often. Um, but when it does, it, the, it's a pretty big hurt. Right. And right? At, after, after a certain point, when you've talked about a thing for long enough, like you're not going to get any more, you you need you need some time in between talking about the thing. Mm-hmm. You need some time to like think about that and then come back to it later. Yep. yep. Um, because otherwise you're just going over the same talking points over and over again. You can just do that for this, these are how my arguments with my brother have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you need a decision making structure. So yes. When you're arguing with your brother, there's no decision making structure. Right. You just want us to convince the other, and that's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the death of the universe will occur. Uh-huh. <laughs> But um, and sometimes people run meetings by consensus. It's like, yeah. well, let's 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 keep talking until we all agree, or we mm-hmm. all at least agree this is the way forward, yeah. even if we disagreed earlier or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you just need someone in the room to be the person who decides, who takes it in, and either goes away and decides, or decides in the meeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, even even though there's the argument has not been settled. Yes, you know? and that's hard. Yeah. One thing that um, my team lead really does, and I think works really well, is he encourages people to. You know, when when there is a problem to be solved by the team, if you're the one who has identified the problem and you're going to bring it to the team's attention, also come with a potential solution, even if it's a bad potential solution, Mm -hmm. because having that potential solution that people can react to is a good way to kind of kick off the process of decision making or Mm -hmm. additional ideation. Um, Whereas if you say, hey, I have a there's this problem that I noticed. What should we do about it? There's kind of like this moment where there are crickets. 
Yeah. And it's hard to get the energy moving around solving that problem. Mm -hmm. But if you bring a potential solution, again, even if it's a bad one and you know it's not a good one, if you bring it, it it removes that moment where you need to get the gears turning. And yeah. if you start them already moving. Yep. So it's kind of a nice um like brainstorming lubricants, yeah. I guess, to continue the machine metaphor. Right. If you're the one bringing the problem, you've already you've been the one who's thought about it most mm -hmm. up to now. So it makes a lot of sense to help help everyone along by having a solution they can yeah, they can decide is good or bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um one thing I do and you've Two of you probably noticed it in our, when we do our nice games club meetings is I like to bring two solutions. I like to bring what I think we should do, but on the other hand, we could do it this opposite way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, because one, it becomes, it frames, and one of them is usually the, like my first idea that I want to do or makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Then I always try to think like, well, if we don't do that, what will we do instead? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I, I want to present that also mm -hmm. so that I'm not anchoring anybody to the idea I brought. Yeah. But also I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not saying like, brainstorm on a solution you know? yeah, I'm, kind yeah. of, I'm kind of setting a, 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 a establishing a framework i guess yeah. mm -hmm. which does bias a, a room right yeah, so yeah. The, the, you have to be careful of that so you have to always make sure you're like well or none of these or am i thinking about this wrong yeah right sometimes i say things exactly that or something. well yeah and then you get a third idea that like maybe encapsulates yeah. the two ideas or whatever but it gets the ball rolling it gets right? the ball rolling yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's good see those are all good important reasons to have meetings <laughs> i think that's yeah that's that's solid not doing that is frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm. <ch> <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I guess like even with respect to like our nice games club meetings, because we have meetings sometimes to talk about. Yeah. Um. Oftentimes we talk about like, what are we going to talk about the next time we, we record? We have like regular agenda items mm -hmm. and then we have like what's going on this month or whatever. Yep. Right. Yep. Um. But we try to, I would say that those are, those are somewhat unstructured because um, like I, we're not like super focused because like yeah. we're also doing them in between recordings we've also but we've also been kind of lax on it the last few months yeah we haven't had any meetings in a while it's not good <laughs> um they're often structured around food they are often structured <laughs> which makes it hard yeah. to get meetings done too i, I guess that's something i want to bring up like with respect to meetings i think meetings Is this whole be topic just so steven telling us we have to do meetings better ellen you think <laughs> no yeah, i would I'm not be subtle about it i'd be like we need to do meetings <laughs> also i haven't you know i haven't been asking for meetings either so it's not like steven it's just <laughs> now it's my fault <laughs> um i think meetings should be like an hour long yeah. If a meeting takes longer than that, it's a like it's a working. <laughs> it's either it's yeah, it's two meetings or it's a working meeting. Yeah. So like what you were describing, Mark, where your hmm. meetings will sometimes go for two hours, it's because you're also doing work during that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if a meeting is long, is lasting longer than an hour, uh, you either like this, this is like the work you're actually doing, or you're wasting people's time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, because sometimes there's just a lot of information that you need to, you know, disseminate. Then you're like taking a class, I guess, mm -hmm. sort of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like people are learning about a thing or trying to understand a thing. So like you're literally doing work. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess you're literally, literally doing work when you're doing a meeting too, but it doesn't feel like you're actually doing work because it's not the same work that you were hired to do sort of, um, kind of. But meta work. It's meta work, yes. Um, yeah, so like I, I think it's important to structure your meetings so that like you are able to complete them within an hour because um yeah. Cause like if you take an hour of your day to get an, a meeting done, like it feels like you can have a productive amount of work done in the meeting, 
and you know still get stuff done that you need to get done but like if you start doing two hour long meetings yeah an hour half long meetings like it starts to feel like you're not getting as much stuff done as you wanted to get done mm-hmm. yeah. and it just kind of feels like you're wasting your time mm-hmm. so i think it's important to try to make sure that your meetings are an hour long i'm not subtweeting or anything like that because like <laughs> we don't we don't have longer than hour yeah. meetings at future club generally um i'm just saying do that <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to like it's hard to prescribe truisms like all everything should always be this, but yeah. that's probably the best, cl- the closest one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like meetings really shouldn't go over. Yeah, an and hour. if if yeah. it needs to go, yeah, like you said, Mark, if it needs to go longer than an hour, you need two meetings. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't have to make it two hour long meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you need to make it two hour long, or it needs to be too. so structured that yeah. like you, yeah, you move on from topic to topic in a way that like is. I mean, I think because a meeting an hour longer, uh, longer than an hour can just be phys- physically exhausting for people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one reason enough. But really, if it's just about content, you really can't talk about one thing for more than an hour uh, without doing something about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And coming back to it. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, like if you're talking about the same topic for two hours, then at, at, after a certain point, you will just start spinning wheels and revisiting the same things you have been talking about. Right. You need some time to process what has been said during the meetings and come back to it and then re-examine where you are with that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's just, not, it's just not productive. And if the topic is so big that it does fill more than an hour, then it, you can break it up into smaller topics. I'm realizing that this episode is longer than an hour. <laughs> it was more than one topic. Good point. So we're on the, we're clear. We'll get the time code. Well, meeting adjourned then. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and smiling water towers. Or you can email us, contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There's so many ways. Give us a review in your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. And also, we are on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So, until we start again... Remember to play nice and bake nice. What a great meeting we had about frustration. Does that count? Uh, I mean, B, B minus. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. It's a B minus kind of day. Who <laughs> <laughs> do the call to action? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I picked Discord, thinking we had stuff to talk about with respect to the Discord. We, I'm sure we can talk about some stuff. Oh, I think I did that because uh, Mark, you posted pictures of the, the clubhouse and the oh, Discord. Okay. Um, so we could talk about it in that perspective. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, hold on, let me think. <laughs> you gave me a B minus, and this is what Stephen gives us to enter <laughs> the transition. Yeah, but Stephen's taking this course pass fail, so <laughs> <laughs> he's on an audit, yes. right? <laughs> it is sometimes frustrating to come up with transitions.
to new topic. Hey, that wasn't bad. B minus. <laughs> yes, that's passing. <laughs> uh, as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 